You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to break down all the marquee matchups coming up on Sunday and provide the latest installment of your fantasy fix. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Eric Adelson of Yahoo Sports. Eric, thanks for taking the time. So watching on TV felt like the Buccaneers failed to capitalize on opportunities. Tom Brady with a pair of turnovers. Rob Gronkowski did not even play. Were you surprised that the Bucs did not show up with a better effort on primetime? Yeah, and good to talk to you guys. Uh, it was surprising. There were several opportunities. I was surprised that the Pats gave them so many chances, and I was surprised they, it wouldn't have taken much. A couple of field goals that were makeable, um, the, the, that final touchdown play. The, the, the Pats just seemed to let the Bucks hang around and – it, 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 they, the Bucs just didn't do anything big in the game. There was no big Mike Evans play. Deshaun Jackson had one, one uh, long pass. Uh, O.J. Howard was basically invisible. What I was excited about with this game was you were going to have a weekend pass secondary trying to stop these three great receivers in Jameis Winston, and it really looked like a, um, an, an impotent offense for the Bucs. There was none of the, the flash or the – Excitement that for a home game is really one of the biggest home games the Bucks have had in a long time, and it was they were flat. Now some credit goes to the Patriots' defense, but uh, I, I think it was a big step back for Jameis Winston. I mean, you said it's a step for the defense, arguably one of the worst defenses in the game, in a sense of of how they play, especially in the pass defense, one of the worst in the game. But Jameis Winston, when it comes to fifteen plus yards on on passing plays in the first three quarters, he was one of eight. And then in the fourth quarter, it was four of six. What's the problem when you see, or what you think the problem is when you see Jameis Winston's inability to be able to uh, connect with one of the, the deep threat best receivers in the game in Deshaun Jackson? Well, I think that when you take away Mike Evans, I mean, Belichick's always going to take away your best guy. And, and so you knew he was going to take away Mike Evans. And I think when you take away Mike Evans, then uh, Winston gets fancy and, and, uh, he's he's not at the stage yet where he can throw guys open. Uh, he wasn't able to do it. I mean, th- there was a couple times when he found Deshaun Jackson, but if you take away, I mean, it's a little bit like, I, I'm not going to say that Jameis Winston is Johnny Manziel, but if you look back at the, at the Texas A&M days, you know, so many times Mike Evans bailed out Johnny Manziel, and uh, that's that's because to me he's you know one of the top two receivers in the game. Um, but if you take him away, then then – uh, Winston just looks mediocre, and, and that's what I felt was happening uh, last night. Also, I, I think the, the play calling was subpar. It was not imaginative. It was not surprising. It was milk toast. Uh, Dirk Cutter, you know, he was, he was hired to basically be the offensive guru for Jameis Winston, uh, and I didn't see anything that was really surprising or exciting from, from, uh, from Cutter either. So um, um, it's, it's disappointing, honestly. Because they got Doug Martin back, and he was great. Doug Martin was the best guy in the field for the Bucks. You think that if you have a running game, then that would the passing game would feed off of it. That didn't happen either. So, uh, head scratcher for me for the Bucks. Eric Adelson from Yahoo Sports is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Eric, when you sit in the press box or wherever you were sitting in Raymond James Stadium, you get a better sense of how the defense is playing than what we can glean watching or listening to the game on TuneIn Premium. I know the Patriots gave up 409 total yards. 
And Jameis Winston became the latest starter to have better than 300 passing yards. That trend has continued week by week this year. But watching the game, they did not give up many big plays. Did you get a sense there was defensive improvement from the Patriots last night? Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the Gilmore in center field. I mean, that was a that, that was a big issue. That was probably the biggest issue for the for the pass coming in, uh, and and he was able to hang in there. Uh, Butler. I mean, I, I expect greatness from Butler, but he really played well. Um, and uh, and they made the Bucks try to beat them on the ground, uh, and they couldn't. Uh, and they made the big plays too. And there were a couple examples where. The, the, the Pats defense were put in bad situations where Tom Brady had a fumble. Um, there was a, there was a, um, a, a really kind of mind-numbing uh, encroachment penalty on a punt that gave the, gave the Bucks uh, a first down uh, late in the first half. They, they rallied. It wasn't just that they were making the good plays fundamentally. Uh, they were in put, put in bad situations, and they were smart. And then, you know what? That's a little bit hard to do sometimes when you're traveling off a short week um, and it's 94% humidity, and sometimes you can lose the mental focus and the path didn't. That's to their credit. That's the credit of the coaching staff, too. Doug Martin, I know it wasn't the greatest numbers of all time, but he came out and looked as if he's been around for some time, made some tough runs, some great runs. I mean, some balls were thrown over his head when Jameis was trying to come down for the check down to him. But tell me, what do you see in Doug Martin? Do you see them now that they have him back and he is the go-to player on offense when it comes to the physicality of it, uh, do you see them now probably moving forward to taking some of the reins away from Jameis Winston to allow it to get back to a more controlled and safer style offense? Because Jameis Winston has been truly uh, inefficient over the last couple of weeks when it comes to throwing the ball downfield. Right. I agree, Cordell. I mean, this is year three for Winston. This is the year where a lot of NFL quarterbacks take that step. We have not seen it yet. I think part of it is the lack of running game. Um, so I think that they will try to ride Doug Martin. Um, and then have Winston feed off of that. Uh, that's really what worked at Florida State. I mean, people remember, um, you know, Kelvin Benjamin and James Winston obviously winning the Heisman Trophy, but they just had a, uh, a bushel full of great running backs. Uh, and they also had a very good offensive line. Now, the Bucks do not. The Bucks have a good offensive line, not a great offensive line. And that's an issue, too. I, I think that part of the die was cast for the team when they didn't really upgrade the offensive line in the offseason. It needed it. Uh, and so there's less time for Winston. There's less in the way of holes for Martin. Um, and so the, the Winston is going to have to earn it. Uh, I think they're really relying on him to take that step. And uh, so far, uh, we have not seen it this year. Eric, what do you make of Cam Newton's apology after his clearly sexist remark after I thought it was a well-framed and purposeful question that was offered by Jordan Rodrigue of the Charlotte Observer? It was lengthy. Sam uh, Cam, to me, seemed contrite. He spoke from the heart, but I did not hear him mention Jordan's name at all. What would you make of the apology? I'm right with you, Brian. That was the thing that was missing is that uh, I I did feel that it was earnest. I think that he is truly sorry. I don't think it was an act. Uh, Usually you can tell when when Cam Newton means it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, ultimately this was an interpersonal reaction uh, that was poor, and it was sneering, and it was condescending. It wasn't just the words he said. It was the way he said it, just basically laughing at somebody in public. Um, and so the number one apology is owed to Jordan, and, uh, and he didn't deliver on it, and, and that was disappointing. That said, he did apologize. It was a full-throated apology. Um, it was humble. 
Um, he not only apologized to uh, you know to sports uh, writers, but also super moms, moms. I mean, this was really um, this was something that was a, a slap at a, at a lot at a lot of people, and he knows that, and he knows that he lost fans. So I give him credit. I think we can move on. Um, but yeah, you're right, Brian. I'm glad you pointed that out. I mean, really, ultimately, the number one apology is to Jordan. He did not specifically deliver it. When you look at this Seattle and, and Los Angeles Rams game coming up, uh, Seattle's been struggling offensively. Uh, defensively, I think that's that's the only piece to this puzzle that's been consistent. But when you look at this Rams team, they're just playing good across the board. Defensively, special teams, offensively, I mean, they're scoring points. Team is averaging 35.5 points a game, which is the best in the National Football League. Do you think that's enough, even within that division? Because they do battle each other very well throughout the entire division in the NFC West. Do you see this being a game where the Rams can actually win? Because no one's really buying yet that they're 3-1 and and playing really good because they were 3-1 last year, and we saw the end of that season for the Rams. Yeah, this is a good segue, Cordell, because you have we're talking about the Bucks and their inability to sort of have this power run game, um, and the Rams have that now. Uh, and Gurley, I, I know you guys talk some college football, but I, I've been covering college football in some way or another for 20 years, and Gurley is might be the best college running back I've ever seen in person. Uh, he's that good, and I think he's going to be that good at the pro level. And so when you can just get behind him, and if he stays healthy. That makes it so much easier with Jared Goff because if you're a defensive game planner, you have to you have to stop Gurley. You you do not have a choice, uh, and that's why I think that the Rams can win this game. I think sometimes when you have a young quarterback and you have this sort of high-powered offense, sometimes games can get out of hand and you can lose these uh, shootouts. But you know Seattle doesn't really have that kind of firepower uh, as much as they did before. So I kind of think this is a bad matchup for Seattle. Can the, can the Seahawks win? Sure. But uh, I do think the Rams in that division, which is looking a little bit shaky now, they, they have a chance. Finally, since I like to give you a good-natured hard time about your loyalty when it comes to Andy Dalton, I have to concede <laughs> occasionally I'm off the mark. On this show, I was part of the chorus saying the Jets might lose 14, 15 games, maybe go winless. How much credit should we give them for putting back-to-back wins, and now they're heading to Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. is It was kind of weird going into that press box last night where I thought the Bucks had a chance to win, and if they did, then you, then that would set up a, uh, a Jets pass game next weekend uh, where the, the Jets could conceivably be ahead in the standings. Now, that won't happen because uh, the pass won. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that if you play, it's boring. But if you play fundamental football and you block and tackle, you, you, you're in these games. I mean, there's very few teams in, in the NFL that just get blown out every week. And so – you you make the right play, uh, and you, and you don't you let the other team beat itself, especially against the weaker schedule that the Jets have, and you can be in games. And then uh, you know I, I, I'm not the biggest uh, Josh McCown fan, but um, he's a very smart guy, and 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 he is not going. He doesn't doesn't have this huge ego where he's going to try to win the game by himself. So it's a fit for Bowles and what they're doing. Um, you know, are they going to the Super Bowl? No, but. You know, they're, they're, they're making – I think they will continue to make it interesting. Quick footnote to your observation about Gurley playing for Georgia, because I know you track college football well as we wrap it up. Any doubts in Sam Darnold with all the early interceptions this year for USC? Yeah, I, I think it was uh, – I think it's silly to anoint a college quarterback before you have the full amount of film. 
Um, I mean, Brad Kaya was supposed to be the, the number one pick, and he barely was drafted. Uh, I think Darnold's a good quarterback. I love his poise and composure. Um, but you have to be consistent over the course of a full game, especially at the college level, especially when you're going against the Pac-12, which doesn't have the best defenses. We haven't seen that with him, um, and, and we need to see him take another step. This is, this is what stood out to me, guys, about Deshaun Watson last year. He had more interceptions in his final year, but he was more vertical. He was more of a pro-style passer, and he was in control of that offense the whole game, the whole season, uh, and you could tell he was ready. Darnold, I'm not sure. Uh, I like him, but I, I still need to see more before I say he's automatic number one right now. Looks like it's Saquon Barkley to me. Eric, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again on the NFL on Tune, and have a great weekend. Have a great weekend too, guys. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls for more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now Cordell Stewart and I discuss our game of the week, a divisional matchup between the Seahawks and the Rams at the L.A. Coliseum on Sunday. Jared Goff has enjoyed a remarkable resurgence in year two in the NFL, looking much more like the quarterback who set passing records at Cal Berkeley was taken with a number one overall pick by the Rams, struggled last year. Here's Goff on the challenge of the Seattle defense. How good they are at what they do. People say it all the time. They, they don't do much, and they know they don't do much, but they do it so well, and they do it consistently well for so long now that they've proven to be hard to beat, and uh, it will be a challenge for us, like I said, but we're, we're excited for it. All right, partner, I'm in L.A. I'm seeing Rams flags on cars driving around. Feels like the fan base has been energized. Should I point out the Rams were 3-1 and one a year ago and then imploded? Why is it going to be different this year? Don't do that. Because I think if you do that, you have to also add the other things to it, too. Like, in, how was the offense last year? How was the defense last year? How was Jared Goff last year? How was Todd Gurley even? Did he rush for 100 yards or so in any game last season? And he didn't. So let me help you understand how to ram it. You just ride the wave and just saying this team is 3-1 and one right now. This team is arguably the best team when it comes to scoring in the game at 35.5 yards per game. No one else is doing it better than Derek Goff, Sean McVay, Wade Phillips, and even Aaron Donald back in the mix. No big deal. But yet he's there getting it done. Sammy Watkins and company. Offensive line is gelling well. Don't need to bring in new players. Look at the players on this roster. How much has it changed since last year other than Sammy Watkins and maybe a few other players? Pretty much the same roster. People saying they need all these other all these offensive linemen. They need linebackers. Guys can't run to the football. They can't block anything. Well, you know what now? They have Rams flags hanging on the car. You're singing a song now, Brian. You don't know how to sing it. But I'll tell you how to sing it. Listen to it. Hey. All right. You know what they call that? Rabbit. You're waiting for the chorus, I can tell you. Here it comes. Don't worry about what I'm waiting for. Just listen. There it is. You always get in the middle of my groove here. There you go. Every day is going to well. Rocking it, baby. Uh-huh. 
Wait a minute. The Rams are doing good, Brian. You have to drink the Kool-Aid, my friend. Win, lose, or draw. This team is playing really good football. And for those who don't think so, if you're anywhere in the L.A. area, just walk outside. No, the show's a pretty day, too, by the way. Forecast is looking really good. Flags are just flying in the air. Wind is just blowing it well. Probably have Jared Goff somewhere on the billboard. I'm more than sure it's coming soon, if not now. But he's getting it done. And last but not least, Todd Gurley. He's running like a madman between the tackles. He's catching the football out of the backfield. Team is playing really good. Best team. Offense. Scoring points in the National Football League. Back to you. I'm buying it. I'm drinking a Kool-Aid. Okay, Let's go. Now they have to play Seattle. And this game, to me, comes down to two things. What does he come down Russell Wilson, his ability to make plays because the Ram defense has underachieved. To a degree, they'll get better. And then secondly, what is Jared Goff going to do against the best defense that he will have faced so far. We know Seattle is legit, so I want to see Goff do it again against... Seattle's le- legit where? On defense. Have you seen how inconsistent that team has been? On defense. There too. On defense. I mean, they're not, they're not the holy grail defensively. I mean, this offense... Here's the thing. If you look at what they do on defense and what the Rams do on offense, from an evenly matched situation... Because of the offense of the Seattle Seahawks' inability to score when they need to, I'll favor that offense any day of the Rams when it comes to scoring points. Because how many points will you get from that Seattle's all, Seattle's defense? I'll Seattle Seattle Seahawks offense. Well, Not that's much. the point I'm making. Can Russell Wilson carry this team as a solo act on yeah. offense? And that's where, for me, it becomes a situation where now the defense of Seattle is at the mercy of what the offense is able to do. And as of lately, they hadn't been able to do really much at all uh, when it comes to being efficient, uh, scoring touchdowns or, or just getting in sustaining drive. Yeah, sure. Okay. They went on a tear against the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Indianapolis Colts. All right. Tell me, come on. Tell me something I don't know. I mean, they lose. They go on the road. They lose against Green Bay. They end up losing that game 7-9. How many points did they score in that game? Nine. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. Give you 12 points. They lose to the Tennessee Titans. Who are much more physical than the Rams are going to be. Much more physical than the Rams are going to be. But the physicality now exchanges for more the ability to be able to score. And they went on the road, and, and well, actually at home, and beat a Indianapolis Colts team in the second half, basically, uh, and beat them 46-18. to 18. This, is, this is what I say in this game. Is the defense good enough? to stop this offense from scoring the points in the style in which they did. And I know the physicality of the Titans is totally different than the physicality of the Rams, but they find ways to confuse you, make you have to play honest, straight up, you know, not get caught up into the wordsmiths of words with your best guy on the outside over there and Richard Sherman. Uh, who is the wordsmith of that defense. But I just like where the Rams are, honestly. I really do. And you're playing in L.A. And guess what? It's never an easy game for Seattle playing against L.A. neither, the Rams. It's always a tough one. It's a tough one within that entire division. There's really no blowouts in that division when playing against one another within it. Never. It never has been over the last few weeks. So when looking at this, I mean, how, how did they play against Seattle maybe a year or so ago? It came down to field goals, the kickers? How'd that work out between both teams? Which one would miss first is what it boiled down to. So I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of this is going to be a game where I think the matchups are well. I like Wade Phillips 
in his approach against that 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 offense's inability to score points, I like Wade Phillips in his approach. I like the scheme that he'll bring to the table. Which one that would be? He finds ways to take away the things that you do well. And honestly, that offense doesn't do anything too well. They just get it done. Let's just say that. Seattle's offense just get it done. Defensively, again, they've been at the mercy of that offense in Seattle. I like that matchup. That's going to be the matchup, and I think going to be a great test for Coach McVay and his creative mind as far as being able to get players in those areas uh, that Seattle's probably not prepared and or he hopes that aren't prepared to 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 have to fill those in those some of those areas. So it's going to be a good game. Um, of course, it being a divisional game makes it even that much that much better to be honest. And out of all the games to watch that day, because I just want to see I want to see if this team can get to a, a four and one spot. And, and, and if there is a loss, how do they lose? You know, how will they lose? So I'm looking forward. I'm I don't know I don't know about calling it a game of the day, but if they trust the Rams and, and what they've been able to do a little bit longer, this probably could have been the game of the day um, because Seattle, we know that how they play at times and, and most importantly, the Rams and what they're doing right now, you can't deny them yet. And, and I think people won't probably buy into it until they get to a point where they're like four and one and say it's totally different than last year because they get the three and two. But see, Cornell, I told you, the same as last year. Well, this is a rivalry within the division. I think the Seattle Seahawks may have lost last year in L.A. Yes, they did, because Russell Wilson got beat up in that game. There it is. So now this defense is playing better football than that defense did last year and how they actually going about their business, actually scoring touchdowns on the defensive side off of turnovers, interceptions. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes, and you better believe this wasn't the stadium where they – well, they did cover up some of the some of the seats. Well, they have to because there's 90,000 seats. But here's the good news – a lot of Seattle fans are coming to this game. It's going to be a big crowd at the Coliseum. Big crowd. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I mean, I just want to see how they actually handle this crowd because you better believe the Ram fans are going to be there for sure at this game. And you mentioned the Seattle fans are coming in town. So this is going to be a big one. It's going to be a bigger one than I think most people are really giving credit towards to, to actually watch and say it's going to be a great game between the Seattle Seahawks and the LA Ramets. Major. The Ramets now. We've changed the name. Ramets. The Ramets. Oh. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. Having a moment. Go ahead. Al Jarreau. Yeah. Moonlighting. Strangers. That's it. Caribbean Queen, too. Go ahead. That's Billy Ocean. I'm not as suburban as I sound. Okay. LA with a major opportunity to go to Ford and one. Also, they can galvanize their fan base because if there are any marginal fans in LA, this is anecdotal. Just about nobody I speak to is that interested in the winless Chargers. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Get to know your favorite artists on Fireside Chat. Join yours truly, Anthony Valadez, and DJ Reflex to hear today's most compelling artists tell behind-the-scenes stories, personal tales, and inspirational moments. Toronto MC Jazz Cartier stops by and discusses how living in the Middle East has shaped his world perspective. Living in Kuwait, one of my favorite places to live. I went in with, like, an expectation, you know, but then I went there and it was just, like, one of the most peaceful places I've ever been to in my life. It's all on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30, 
He's gone! He's gone! What a move! It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked off! Intercepted! From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. Cordell, we're calling an audible, although the show's no huddle, so we can do whatever we want, right? That's right. I'm tempted to make you our fantasy analyst today because you have mastered fantasy football. I know you could handle any question I send your way. However, you're generous. You don't want to monopolize the conversation. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Saw the look of horror in your face on Skype. Instead, we're going to bring in a man who knows everything about everything. Just ask him. Who's this? Our super producer, Abe Gordon, is going to be our fantasy analyst today. Hello, Abe. Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? All right. Should I yell at you for not booking a real fantasy analyst or have that conversation off the air? It's not been a good week for me. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's been a little slow. Okay. You know we have high standards on this program. Tell our international audience, beyond your ability to riff on anything, and I really know what you're talking about, why are you justified to join us as a fantasy guru? Well, I'm in numerous fantasy leagues, obviously, which of us aren't. I mean, uh, but you're talking to a two-time defending champ against all my friends back in D.C., so that's back-to-back wins. Okay, you know, that's a little the, something that's not so average. That's the best saying, you basically. can do. You know what, Cordell? Forget about it. We're going to rebrand this segment. <laughs> hit the button. Play your music. It's Average Abe. One co-host was the most versatile quarterback of his generation. There goes Slash up the left sideline. 80 yards for the Steeler touchdown. The other co-host is an Emmy award-winning media elite. How hard could it be? I'm a Stanford grad. I'm a genius. But who speaks for the fans on NFL No Huddle? Let's turn to a man whose football knowledge is better than most, but not as exceptional as he believes. Average Abe. And today he's a fantasy analyst. All right, tough guy. Let's see what you can give us today. Alvin Kamara finally coming alive in New Orleans. Is he now going to be the featured back? What's the approach moving forward if somebody wants to pick A running back from that muddle situation with the Saints? Well, obviously with the off week this week, not uh, not a great choice uh, in a daily fantasy league. But certainly moving forward, I think we've seen the comments kind of revealing about Adrian Peterson. I'm not sure he's going to get much play at all. And I know there was so much hope for him when people were making their drafts. But Kamara's the guy, and we saw it out of Tennessee. People liked what he brought to the table uh, and you're seeing him more out of the backfield with his hands, but also in the tackles and outside. He's going to get more and more carries. He's going to get more around the goal line. I think Ingram's still going to be the power back when they really need it at the goal line, but Kamara's going to lead this league in touchdowns out of the backfield, and uh, he's definitely a guy I would consider. And, and as you're getting to this 25% mark of the season, you start to see a couple teams figure out exactly what they want to do in situations when they have a number of backs and they can't figure out uh, how to use them and. He has uh, definitely taken the lead there uh, and is a solid option moving forward. Speaking of a back, I want to talk about the quarterback position in Chicago. They finally made the move to Mitchell Trubisky, but starting Mitchell Trubisky, does anyone on the Bears uh, see a significant bump or drop in value this week? Yeah, I mean, I think when you start a rookie quarterback, you're looking at a team that's going to attempt to at least uh, establish the run. And the Bears are one that already – uh, have a pretty good run. I, I know the defenses are going to adjust uh, and therefore will try and stuff the box, though. So I do like Howard. But uh, for me, I really like Tariq Cohen this week. I, I mean, you, Cordell, I want you to a- answer this. 
early in your career, uh, your first game or two, what did you do when, when stuff was moving so fast? Did you check down to the back out of the backfield? I feel like that's the natural progression. So I like Tariq Cohen out of the backfield. Well, i got to be honest. When, when I was, because of my mobility, uh, similar, sim, uh, similar to Mitchell Trubisky, what we've seen of him in the post, in the preseason, excuse me, his ability to escape on the edge and the perimeter, which gave him the opportunity to find those players like Coyne and, and whomever else they were looking for uh, when it came down to it. But that's what I did. I, mo- I used my feet, came a little mobile in the pocket, something that the, the team hadn't seen for a long time. But that does get you to where you're speaking of, is, which is getting the ball to Coyne. But he'll do it by moving his feet, not just checking it down. All right, Abe, you've become a full-blown fantasy analyst because you've learned the trick. Ask Cordell a question to make sure if he's paying attention to the fantasy. Is that what he is? Paying attention? Oh, yeah. oh, I like that word. That's a good one. <laughs> this guy here. Freaking mad, freaking mad scientist over there, Brian Weber. Weber with I'm two doing bees. what I can to salvage this segment. <laughs> Abe, let's continue the conversation focusing on Monday night because Cordell was talking about the impact of Trubisky being inserted into the starting lineup, matching up against Minnesota. As a fantasy guru, how do you assess the impact of Monday night itself? Do you think Trubisky maybe tries too hard on a national stage, or the argument could go he benefits from a additional day of practice, right? Because he's got one more day to get ready for Monday night. Yeah, the, the extra day definitely helps. But when you're talking about, and we've we've talked about this before. When you have that spotlight on, people just try a little bit harder for whatever reason. They they know the nation is watching. And to be the center of attention, I do think it's going to help him. I'm not sure it helps his teammates, but like Cordell was mentioning, the movement with his feet, I think we're going to see him run probably a little bit more than you would expect. So I do think he'll get some rushing yards. Uh, if they get down there inside the 10, maybe a scrambling touchdown. So I do think it's going to help Trubisky uh, with his feet. I- I'm not sure uh, the impact uh, throwing the ball. I-, I think there's obviously major concerns there anyways. But, uh, you know, for-, for the Bears and for him, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, I don't think they need him to throw for 300 yards. They just want to see a progression. At this point, it's not really about winning games. It's just about growing as a quarterback. That doesn't help you in fantasy, though, so you want to see a couple rushing touchdowns from him. Hey, do, who do you have as your top receiver this week? Well, Julio's out on a bye. You know I'm going to go Julio every single week. There's no question about that. But, uh, you know, it's kind of tough because – Antonio Brown is a guy that almost every week you're going to probably put into that category. And, and he's probably it for me again this week. I know they're they're at home, but it is Jacksonville, who's we've seen had a pretty good defensive performances uh, some of the season, not, not consistently. But he's the guy, I think we talked about it yesterday, Cordell. I think after the comments, after the tantrum, after everything that's gone on in that locker room, I think Ben's going to get him even more targets than he's already getting. So, so you take a guy that's already a borderline number one uh, and then give him added targets, it's got to be uh, Antonio Brown this week. He's, he's my top guy at home. Since I'm learning that apparently you come up with fantasy rankings when you should be buck, uh, booking better guests, who's your fantasy quarterback number one option this week? That's another good one, and there's a couple of good options. Uh, I, I do like Matthew Stafford at home. Uh, that's certainly one. I, I Even though it's on the road, I do like Aaron Rodgers. Uh, downgrade Goff, obviously, because of the Seahawks' D. Uh, and, and so, it, you know, obviously no Mariota. I would have liked that matchup, you know, 
Indianapolis not so much. So there's not a ton of great options. Uh, I think I might go Carson Wentz at home, uh, a team that's played very well so far. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, a team that's got some injuries in the backfield or in the defensive backfield, a team that's going from west to east playing an early game, uh, maybe still sleep there uh, at some of the uh, first quarter there. So I actually think that Carson Wentz is going to have the best game of the week. You didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> How about this one, Abe? Check this out. With the bye week starting, uh, it now means you have less options uh, when it comes to daily fantasy. Does this make you more or less risky in your line of decisions? I'm personally always a gut feeling guy. I always like to take those risks. And so you've now got essentially what? 15% of the players that you would consider using out because of the buys. Maybe not quite 15, but I'm not doing the mental math that quickly. Uh, so, yeah, I do like the risk. I think you got to go with your gut. I, I mean, certainly uh, you try and find matchups, you try and find value, stuff like that. But in the end, I think you really got to look at your own team and you got to wake up on Monday morning saying, that's the guy I decided to play. So you got to go with it. I, I don't think you want to be using the same players that every single team in your, your league is using. So I do like making a couple extra choices. Hey, maybe you wouldn't use a Jets guy normally. And they're playing Cleveland's defense. And even with Danny Shelton back and limited a Miles Garrett, you still got to like that. So maybe use a Jets guy you would never use in a different situation. So take the risk. Get some points. Let's win. Last one for me because you've already gotten way too much airtime. If Derek Carr, in <laughs> fact, is out and it's EJ Manuel Sunday against Baltimore, whose value is going up? Who's going down for the Raiders? Tim Brown says he wants to see more out of Amari Cooper. You buying that? Well, I, I mean, Mark Cooper can only give you so much based on what EJ Manuel will give him. I think that's your problem. And, and so for me, I want to see more out of the run game. And, and obviously Lynch is a different kind of beast, uh, pardon the pun there. Very nice. Uh, I, I think they're they're going to obviously stack against him. But for a guy like Jalen Richard, who we've seen had some explosive runs, who's got good hands out of the backfield, I need to see something out of him to help that team, to help out EJ Manuel because – you know, if you're if you're going to force EJ Manuel to beat you downfield throwing the ball, there's some big question marks there. I think you're going to going to play pretty tight to Amari Cooper at the line to make sure he doesn't get the ball in easy space uh, with a chance to get yards after catch. So uh, it's Lynch a little bit, but I think Jalen Richard is the one that might have a, a big game on Sunday. Apester Cordell's processing that. No, that's pretty. Good. Can we change it to adequate, Abe? I think the analysis was adequate, Cordell. What do you think? Abe, you were great. Well, you know let's what, not Abe? go crazy. Yeah. No, no, Abe was great. Great. Wow. Abe, good job. Great. Press the clap button back then, back in there, Average. You've got a clap button back in there. What, what's the button to get the. Uh, get the there it is. Good job, Abe. The crowd is going wild, apparently. The crowd right. is going wild let's for have, Average. Abe. Let's have a production meeting on the air. You both like it when I read my resume. 1993. Oh, I'm young. I'm 23. I get a job in San Francisco because I'm just that talented. Right. And I work cheaply. And I was the producer of the show as well. Abe. Listen to the story closely and then tell me if this is what has occurred on this show. As the producer of the San Francisco Giants pregame show, my job was to line up guests. Well, magically, I decided there would be no guests, and I put myself on the air. And my boss said, where was the guest? I said, I couldn't find anybody, so I had to fill the segment. Did that just happen on this show? Hey, what's going on with our show? There is a very easy-to-follow paper trail of cancellations, negative responses. (laughs) 
Get him, Abe. See, well, you were listening. You didn't have that. You're so old. You didn't have that technology. There was no email. No. I was I calling out a payphone. Paper trail. Get him, Abe. By the way, you were listening to a lot device. of negative response. You know that. Finally, now that you're a fantasy guru, let's go through the rest of the trifecta. Will you be a bracketologist come March Madness time? You ha- you think I watch football a lot? Oh you my goodness! See what's I mean. Big Monday. Yeah, I know you have no life. Tell them to watch it, ACC Wednesday. I'm all okay. I don't watch the Ivy League on Friday, but other than that, oh, yeah, I'm in. We'll put you on the college shuttle. Finally, how about NFL draft analysts? Do not mess with Cordell. He breaks down tape when we get to March. I uh, I could be an SEC specialist. I watch a lot of that. Uh, You know, Pac-12 after dark gets a little iffy, but... uh, And uh, You know I do watch a lot of Washington State. Luke Falk, uh, watch out for him. He can throw the ball. And one thing, Abe, when Brian walks into the studio... Tell him keep his Diet Coke outside. See what happens. How does yeah. that Actually, work? he asked me to get the Diet Cokes all yeah. the time. He asked you to get the Diet Cokes. I asked oh, you to get us a works, fantasy huh? analyst. How'd that work out? <laughs> We're all 30, right, Abe. 30 minutes away from buying a mini fridge and just keeping it in studio. <laughs> Marvelous job. Good job, Abe. Cordell loved that, huh? I love it all the time, man. Abe comes on. He, he does a great job. Good job, Abe. I got, hey, you got my vote, Abe. Yeah, I know what happened. I've done this bit. As a producer, you go, I couldn't get a guest. I'll come on the air for 10 minutes. I've you seen this movie. I've lived this movie. You, you, If you had it your way, you would run the board. You would be the fantasy, fantasy analyst. You would also do, you would do it all if you could on your own. You would, you would love that and play your own music. What that would be. How would that sound? show could use a little Frank Sinatra. <laughs> You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Here we go. Come and hang out with Herdwell Radio, the only 24-7 radio station curated by social influencers for the fans they love. Go. From morning tunes to afternoon blues, we've got you covered. Hey, that's what we do. That's who we be. Check out our station for exclusive interviews with top trending creators and new emerging artists. We also have in-studio acoustic sessions, live events, and so much more. What are you waiting for? Check out Herdwell Radio today for the best in music and entertainment. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on the field on Sunday. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. We start with 3-1 Buffalo on the road at 1-3 Cincinnati. It's a game in which Marvin Lewis is looking for his offense to come alive. Well, we got to continue just to play, you know, productive offense. And uh, each week, I can't tell you what that's going to be. So, but we have to do with, uh, uh, we have to attack the defense the way, the best way we see fit. Bills head coach Sean McDermott is emphasizing the need to stay focused. Uh, they've reminded the team, uh, you know, the, the great part about this team is we've got a ton of, of leaders on this team um, that make their presence known in and around the building, in the locker room in particular, um, lead by example and, and, the, uh, and then verbally as well. So uh, those guys have made it very clear, you know, what it was like years ago uh, when the team had a good start and, and didn't uh, stay focused on the process. Cordell, take the Bills on the road. How about you? I'm going with the Bills myself. I like what they're doing defensively. I love what Tyrod Taylor and Shady McCoy is getting done. I like this team. Two and two Jets looking for their third consecutive win on the road, matching up with the winless Browns. I'm taking gangrene. How about you? 
You know what, man? This 0-4 team in the Cleveland Browns are just that 0-4. I think they become 0-5. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. Excuse me, the New York football Jets. Nice head fake Game there. Game Matchup of 3-1 and one teams in Detroit, Panthers and Lions. I'll take the Panthers on the road. How about you? You going with the Panthers? Yes, I am. You're a brave guy, man. I think the effects of everything with the with what the Detroit Lions are doing is going to come into play in this game. I'm going with that guy at the quarterback position, and that's not Sam Bradford. That's Matthew Stafford for the Detroit Lions. I'm going with the Lions. Winless San Francisco on the road at one and three. Indy. I'll take the Niners to post their first victory. How about you? Hey, how about it? Jed York, a mastermind. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers as well. Unclear if Marcus Mariota will be able to guide the Tennessee mm. offense on the road to Miami. Titans 2-2, two and two, Dolphins 1-2, and two, head coach of the Dolphins, Adam Gase, looking for offensive improvement. We have to just be more in sync with what we're trying to do up front, what we're trying to do at quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver. We just need to be more on the same page and eliminate the mistakes of eight guys are doing it right and then three guys are doing it wrong. If anybody's doing it wrong, it needs to be down to one guy to where we can still have success on the play. And right now, too many guys are having an issue here and there, and that's the main thing we're going to get cleaned up this week. Could be Matt Castle for Tennessee, but I can't pick Jay Cutler and the Dolphins. I'm taking the Titans on the road. How about you? I'm going with the Miami Dolphins and Jay Cutler, I think, Right now, if it is Matt Castle on the road, I think they're in trouble. That defense have a feast of famine mentality. I love my Titans, but I'm going with the Dolphins in this one. 0-4 Chargers, 0-4 Giants. Someone's got to win a football game. I'll take Big Blue. How about you? I'm going with the New York football Giants as well. Eli gets the edge because he wants to prove a point of why he went to the Giants and not stayed with the Chargers. I'm going with Big Blue, as you said. 3-1 Eagles hosting the 2-2 Cardinals. I'll take Philly at home. How about you? I'm going with Philadelphia as well. I like Carson Wentz and company. I love it. Two until Jacksonville, matching up with 3M1 Pittsburgh. Head coach Doug Marone is ready for the challenge that Jacksonville's facing on the road. All three phases are going to be challenged. You know, we have a challenge ourselves, you know, to see, to play with more consistency. You know, we're going up there. So it's it's going to be a, a difficult game, and we'll put a good plan together, and we'll go up there and play. Ben Roethlisberger, plenty of praise for the improved Jaguar defense. He got upset because he was open, um, which I... And obviously that's related to Antonio Brown, who might have a chance to step up his production. I'll take the Steelers at home. How about you? I'll tell you what, Calais Campbell and company have really been getting after it. I think this is a game where Leonard Fournette may have a breakout game, but it won't be enough to beat the team that's black and yellow. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Late games. 2-2 two and two Baltimore on the road at 2-2 two two Oakland. It's going to be EJ Manuel filling in for the injured Derek Carr. The only difference is the reps. You know, I still show up at the same time. I still go home at the same time. Uh, Preparation-wise, it's still the same. Obviously, you know, TD is talking to me directly now instead of talking to Derek in meetings, but uh, not too much has changed. Joe Flacco having a shaky season, but he says his confidence has not been shaken. The way we've played the last couple weeks can definitely creep in and, and hurt that, and we got to do the best we can to make sure that we continue to believe in who we are as players and who we are as a football team so that we can go out there and play free, play the game come Sunday. A team that usually wins is a team that can go out there and, and just let it loose, and um, you know we got to do a better job doing that. Got 45 seconds left. I'm taking the Raiders. How about you? I'm going with the Raiders as well. Seattle and L.A., I'll take the Rams at home. How about you? I'm going with the Rams. Jared Goff, let's do it. I'm going with the Rams. Green Bay on the road to Dallas. I'll take the Packers, duplicating what they did in the playoffs. How about you? I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys, getting their 
Groove back on. The boys with the start. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Let's go. Sunday night football, the last pick. Kansas City on the road at Houston. I'll take the Chiefs to remain undefeated. How about you? I'm going with the Chiefs as well. Beautiful. You are so concise. My goodness. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.